Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Text for this morning as we approach the solemn festival of Halloween is the epistle just read with particular but not exclusive focus on verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Scary stuff. Halloween stuff. Halloween, kind of a strange observance when you think about it, and it's increasingly fascinating to me with its fixation on the macabre. Drive around the city and here you got ghosts and skeletons and witches and gruesome human figures, some of them uh, half alive and some of them not at all alive. And at one place down other side of Shamus, down in Dogtown there, two, a display two houses wide, and they've got a full coffin there for crying out loud. Um, all in good fun, of course. Away intentionally or wistfully of reducing death and its minions to so much decoration. I mean, after all, we don't, we don't believe in that stuff, right? Um, I suspect the movies of Halloween has a little bit uh, different kind of a story, though, with the eerie spirits and demons of death that come at us with such overpowering, disturbing force that uh, a much more lingering unease is triggered inside. Psychologists describe what happens when you head to a theater as the suspension of disbelief. That is to say, when you go to the theater, you know good and well that what you're going to be seeing there on the screen is not real life. At the same time, you kind of put that to the side so that when you get in there and the story starts moving, you can kind of enter into the story, right? And you can feel along with the actors all of the tears and the fears and the sense of relief and rescue that comes hopefully at the end of the movie. Um, those Halloween movies, though, they sort of do a job on that sense of disbelief and tap into a deep unease about what's, what's all out there that maybe we don't always see, or what's in there, or what happens when those things come near. And we may say we don't believe in that stuff, but sometimes it can haunt and make us pretty leery of the eerie for days, even weeks, at a time. It's about as close as we in our Western society, which prefers to define life in terms of what we can see and what we can put our hands on, what we can touch. It's about as close as we get, it seems to me, to other societies that have a much more lively awareness of spirits and powers out there. Like Paul. 
Let me read it again. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the things he can see and touch, right? Our struggle is against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world, or another translation puts it, the dark powers of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Um, Paul didn't just not believe in that stuff. Uh, The world he lived in, you figure, was not always a friendly world. And a person could be at ease in, and we do well to appreciate the fact that the world we live in is the same world. There's some weird stuff goes on out there, some very unsettling, troubling stuff that sometimes defies explanation stuff that Paul attributes to the elemental spirits, not just to the things we touch and see, but to some other kind of stuff out there, stuff which leads the self-interest and self-serving fixation of world leaders, and I'm not talking only about politicians, leads them along until the entire economic system of the world stands in danger of collapse. Now what's going on? Stuff that results in companies lacing milk meant for infants with toxic stuff. And the paper a few days ago says it's not just China where that happens, but here in the United States. I mean, what's going on? Stuff turns airplanes into missiles of destruction in the name of religion. Stuff which twirls the wind and rain into hurricanes and sends the earth into quake and groan. Stuff. It gives a rise, a rise to a steady flow of the kind of Nero that was there in Paul's day and if following the train, a Hitler, a Stalin, an Idi Amin stuff, elemental, primal, powers of darkness. In a dark world, spiritual forces of evil. This world's a tough place. Tough because of all of this stuff. It's no wonder that Paul comes into this verse just before that and talks of the Christian life as a struggle. Or the reading that we had here used the word wrestle, maybe an even more graphic picture. A struggle that looks kind of like an an unfair, almost an unwinnable struggle against cosmic powers that have been here long before you and I ever got here and will be here long after we're gone from here. Uh, Those powers and spirits active and alive, but not in a way that we can touch them or deal with them. 
and certainly don't disappear just because we consider them so much decoration. I don't think so. It's no wonder also, however, that Paul goes immediately from the struggle to the armor of God. That is a monumental move. And he has a check down of the whole package. Uh, you probably noted that as it was read. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, footwear of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Every one of these things, gifts of the Lord who himself entered this world of cosmic spirits and powers and took them on and conquered, however elemental they may have been or primal, however haunting or threatening and however much they may seep into hidden cracks and crevices of our own lives and hearts and souls. He came into this dark world and in his crucifixion took us out from under out from under the power of those things, took us to himself and cleansed us and joined us to himself in his resurrection and suited us up for the struggle. And Paul adds one more thing, didn't make, uh, didn't make the uh, liturgical cut, uh, got kind of snipped off, it's really kind of too bad. And the next verse begins, pray in the Spirit. There's another spirit. It's the one that we capitalize when we write it. There's another spirit out there that's even more elemental and it's even more primal and it's even more powerful. The spirit whom the Lord sends to us and the Lord sends for us. We do, we struggle, but we do not struggle alone. Armor of God, spirit of God. And Paul goes on in another, further down, that got stipped off too, um, and wraps it up this way. Therefore, stay alert. I know the tests pile up and the papers and all that kind of thing, and you get tired and you get overwhelmed, and maybe things uh, you know, start to rub at home or in classroom or dorm or whatever. Stay alert. It's a struggle. Stay alert. Pray. He says, for all the saints. And we can start this way. Pray for the Christians in India, who Monday's New York Times says are suffering homes and churches burnt and killed by people who are driven by those powers. Or pray for the folks, the Christians in Iraq, whom yesterday's post-dispatch right here in St. Louis says are being killed or driven away from home by other driven people. Pray, he says, for me. Pray for me, Paul says, so that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly 
make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray. Pray that people are not driven or consumed by those powers. Pray that people are not intimidated, including us, by what it is that we struggle against. Pray that none of us just don't believe in that stuff. Pray, struggle, open your mouths too, so that we also may fearlessly, openly, confidently make known the mystery of the gospel. And that has something to do with the fact that in the face of those powers, Christ has given his life to give us life, his life into eternity. And for the struggle in the meantime, his body and blood as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.